kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the leap year edition of Auntie Nanny. I've been doing this so long, we've actually made it through a leap year. Um, with me this evening is the bubbly and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you, Miss Jeannie? Peachy. Peachy. <laughs> you won't be when we get done with this. Nope. Grandson, so that sucks, but he'll get here when he gets here. Well, you know, I'm happy you're here. I'm sorry that uh, things didn't work out so that you couldn't be here. Wait, what? What did I just say? Um, and also with me this evening is the very best producer money can't buy, which is good because I still don't pay him. Barry, how are you this evening, Barry? I'm doing very good. Mm. Although your mixing metaphors is getting rather confusing. Okay. That's okay. That's all right. We'll all be confused together. It's a good thing. Um, I missed last week because I had the viral infection from hell. Every time I talked, I would cough. It was just a miserable time. Of course, it's winter and I work in retail, so it is the season for customers to cough and sneeze in my face. I hate that. Lurgy season. Yeah. Ah, okay. Where to start? Since we have so many wonderful stories going on, I don't even know where to start. There's so many. I love how this thing is like 84 pages by the time I get done every week. Um, this is kind of a good thing. Um, Jewel versus NSA. Um, the EFF filed a... Joel versus NSA case um, that challenged the NSA's internet and telephone surveillance. Uh, Judge Jeffrey White authorized the EFF on behalf of the plaintiffs to conduct discovery against the NSA. So since the case was filed in 2008, they were barred from, I guess, the lawyers doing discovery on the NSA, which is kind of funny because we now know more about what the NSA does to spy on us than we probably do any other federal agency. So it's kind of a good thing. Um, 
it's a step forward. It's showing that at least some part of the judicial branch actually cares a little something about our privacy or at least about legality. Um, and I'm guessing there are probably people who aren't familiar with Jewel B and SA. Uh, hi, James. Um, so I stuck that in the chat in case anyone's interested. I know this, a lot of this stuff is procedural and it's really boring, but it is stuff you need to know and it's stuff you're not going to read for yourself. That's what this show is about. Wouldn't you say? Story is huge. Which one? The Jewel versus NSA. Oh no, Jewel, Jewel v. NSA. Well, that's, I think that's legal discovery papers. Um, Jewel v. NSA is a big story. Um, it's an ongoing saga rather than yeah. a story. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, EO 12333. EO 12 is probably the worst precedent ever set by an executive order in presidential history. And that was set by, I believe it was George W. Bush. And it's not going to get any better. Last night, the New York Times broke a very troubling story. Rather than finally putting an end to Executive Order 12333, it appears that President Obama is going to expand the power of it in dangerous ways. We've talked about EO 12333 a bunch of times, but for those of you unfamiliar with it, it's an executive order signed by President Reagan, sorry, that basically gives the NSA free reign to collect signals intelligence outside of the U.S. Because it's not technically about domestic surveillance, what the NSA does under EO 12333 is not subject to congressional oversight. That is, Congress is mostly as much in the dark as everyone else is on what the NSA is doing overseas. And as former State Department official John Napier Tai revealed a couple of years ago, for all the talk of domestic surveillance programs revealed by Edward Snowden, the NSA's real power comes almost entirely from 12333 and it has no limitations. Neighbor noted that the other programs, things like Section 215, now morphed into whatever the USA Freedom Act allows, and Section 702, were merely used to fill the gaps not covered by 12333. And it almost certainly involves both foreign and domestic intelligence. Basically, if any of your data goes outside of USA boundaries, the NSA is free to capture it under 12333. Remember those stories of the NSA hacking into data centers of companies like Google, Yahoo, and Microsoft? Those data centers were in Singapore, and the real target was Singapore rather than the U.S., but that was because of EO 12333. Meanwhile, the NSA likes to insist that it respects the privacy of Americans thanks to its vast minimization program that is supposed to dump inappropriate data on Americans or strip out private information when sharing data with other agencies. But apparently that's not going away. Instead, the White House plans to let the NSA share data collected under 12333 with other government agencies without any minimization. Basically, whatever the NSA collects overseas might now freely be available to the FBI or Homeland Security or the IRS or the DEA. Doesn't that seem at least somewhat problematic? From the New York Times. The Obama administration is on the verge of permitting the National Security Agency to share 
more of the private communications it intercepts with other American intelligence agencies without first applying any privacy protections to them, according to officials familiar with the deliberations. The change would relax long-standing restrictions on access to the content of phone calls and email the security agency vacuums up around the world, including bulk collection of satellite transmissions, communications between foreigners as they cross network switches in the United States, and messages acquired overseas or provided by allies. The idea is to let more experts across American intelligence gain direct access to unprocessed information, increasing the chances they will recognize any nuggets of value. This also means more officials will be looking at private messages, not only foreigners' phone calls and emails that have not yet had a relevant personal information screened out, but also communications to, from, or about Americans that the NSA's Foreign Intelligence Program sweeps up incidentally. This is crazy. For all the talk of the NSA having had access to all of this information, and even a fair number of reports of NSA staff abuse of access to the data, in general, the NSA certainly has a reputation for being serious about not allowing any abuse of the data. Other agencies, not so much. The FBI, CIA, DEA, and ATF, for example, have long and colorful histories of abusing data to harass and intimidate people, giving them much wider access to whatever the NSA slurps up overseas and then trusting those agencies to handle minimalization is downright frightening. And despite this massive change, the public won't get to weigh in. Instead, intelligence officials began working in 2009 on how the technical system and rules would work. Mr. Litt said, eventually consulting the Defense and Justice Departments. This month, the administration briefed the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board, an independent five-member watchdog panel, seeking input. Before they go into effect, they must be approved by James R. Clapper, and of course he's going to say yes because he lives in fairy tale land, the Intelligence Director, Loretta E. Lynch, the Attorney General, and Ashton B. Carter, the Defense Secretary. They just need approval from the folks who will benefit most from all this, and no real discussion with the public will be impacted by it. Total shock, right? Yeah. Big shout out to all your agencies who could be listening <laughs> in, because we're doing the show via transatlantic cable, so yeah, they could listen in. Oh, I'm sure they could listen in. They could listen in anytime they want, and that's... It's kind of the frightening thing. And it's the thing I always say. Everybody wants privacy. I mean, it's why we have doors and windows. It's why we have shades and window blinds. It doesn't necessarily mean you want to run, like dance around in your underwear and lip sync to some horrible song, but it means that you have the privacy to do so if you want. Well, this Here's the thing, Dan. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's keeping it's okay and what they don't realize you you drive down the street now and we were kids you would drive you would walk down the street and you know you could see people's living room lights on and all that family is watching tv and that family is watching tv mm -hmm. you drive down the street now and pretty much every house you see is going to look completely dark it's probably not but have their blinds down, their curtains shut, there's no porch light on, there's there's nothing. I mean, you you can literally drive down a street and not see a single light on in a house. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a... Yeah, they want people looking in their windows and knowing their business. But 
these are the same people that are going to look at something like this and go, but it's going to stop terrorists. (laughs) It's funny. They say that they're doing this to protect us from terrorism. I've never felt less like I was being protected from anything in my life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all a joke. Well, I Just mean, not a very funny one. Well, um, it's not. And Eddie, I think, and this is where I sound crazy, but we'll run with that. <laughs> um, there's really only one reason to want to spy on people so deeply, right? And the only reason that ever comes to mind when I think about it anymore is money, right? It's, it's gotta be, they want to know what we have, what we have hidden and what they can take when times are hard for them because we all know the government never never cuts its budget like it expects us to um i kind of think that's a lot of this a lot of what you're seeing is in relation to that can i prove it no a lot of this is a gut feeling i've been reading these stories for years and i've been really obsessed with privacy ever since i really kind of got a little bit of understanding of exactly what the government could do with my data. That government, along with businesses, were taking my data and able to figure out what I was going to type before I was going to type it. Or that they had an algorithm, or two now, that I was just reading about the other day, which is kind of scary. They can predict what you're going to type with 97% accuracy now. They run these algorithms that treat people like protons and quarks. And they're able to deduce where civil unrest is going to happen and things of that nature. And we've talked about that before in the past. Our government's paid a lot for those capabilities. I don't think they should have them. I mean, I understand what their supposed reasoning is for it. You don't need that kind of knowledge or insight into people. It just It's something that's rife for abuse. And especially something that's so experimental and new. So many horrible abuses can happen with this. Well, and I, so mean, many I, hor- I mean, sorry to cut in, but I love those these algorithms they use because, yeah, oh, we can predict what people type and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I've played with some of that software, including doing lab tests when I was at university on that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I'm 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 less than predictable. <laughs> my <laughs> you feed were. would um, <laughs> my feed would drive them crazy. Because I, I change why. I change speech patterns, the way I type. Just depends what day of the week it is, what time of the day it is. <laughs> um, Not yet. <laughs> I know all of this stuff sounds crazy, but... No, it's not crazy. At, They're, they've got it. I, mean, I know. They've been doing this for years. They're getting very, very good at it. You know what my, my voice predictive software would be? <laughs> fuck, 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 What is Jeannie K like going that. to say next? <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <sighs> you, you fuckwit. Yeah. <laughs> my god (laughs) um yeah I I think yeah this is brand new 
this was new today. I traced it back as far as I could. Uh, I think this is pretty valid. And I don't normally credit the New York Times with getting a story right the first time. But from what I can tell with this one, they're actually really good. Um, they got this. It's a story that appeared today in the New York Times, and it's called See That Billboard, It May See You Too. Pass a billboard while driving in the next few months, and there is a good chance the company that owns it will know you were there and what you did afterwards. Clear Channel Outdoor Americas, which has tens of thousands of billboards across the United States, will announce on Monday that it has partnered with several companies, including AT&T. We all know AT&T would sell us all out for a nickel. It's in the Snowden documents. We've seen it. We know. Uh, including AT&T to track people's travel patterns and behavior through their mobile phones. By aggregating the trove of data from these companies, Clear Channel Outdoor hopes to provide advertisers with detailed information about the people who pass its billboards to help them plan more effective targeted campaigns. With the data and analytics, Clear Channel Outdoor could determine the average age and gender of the people who are seeing a particular billboard in, say, Boston at a certain time and whether they subsequently visit a store. In aggregate, that data can tell you information about what the average viewer of that billboard looks like, said Andy Stevens, Senior Vice President for Research and Insights at Clear Channel Outdoor. Obviously, that's very valuable to an advertiser. Clear Channel and its partners, AT&T Data Patterns, a unit of AT&T that collects location data from subscribers, Place IQ, which uses location data, collected from other apps to help determine consumer behavior, and Placed, which pays consumers for the right to track their movements, not lovely, and is able to link exposure to ads and in-store visits, all insist they protect the privacy of consumers. All data is anonymous and aggregated, they say, meaning individual consumers cannot be identified. Still, Mr. Stevens acknowledged that the company's new offering does sound a bit creepy, but he added, the company was using the same data that mobile advertisers have been using for years, and showing certain ads to a specific group of consumers was not a new idea. It's easy to forget that we're tapping into an existing data ecosystem, he said. In many ways, billboards are stuck in the old media world where companies tried to determine how many people saw billboards by counting the cars that drove by. But in recent years, billboard companies have made more of an effort to step into the digital age. Some billboards, for example, have been equipped with small cameras that collect information about the people walking by. Clear Channel's move is yet another attempt to modernize billboards and enable the kind of audience measurements that advertisers have come to expect. Privacy advocates, like me, however, have long raised questions about mobile device tracking, particularly as companies have melded this location information with consumers' online behavior to form detailed audience profiles. Opponents contend that people do not realize their location and behavior are being tracked, even if they have agreed to it at some point to allow companies to monitor them. And while nearly all of these companies claim that the data they collect is anonymous and aggregated, and that consumers can opt out of tracking at any time, privacy advocates are skeptical. People have no idea that they're being tracked and targeted, said Jeffrey Chester, executive director for the Center for Digital Democracy. It's incredibly creepy, and it's the most recent intrusion into our privacy. 
The Federal Trade Commission has bought a number of cases related to mobile device tracking and the collection of geolocation information. In 2013, the agency settled charges with the company behind a popular Android app that turned mobile devices into flashlights. The agency said the company's privacy policy did not inform consumers that it was sharing their location information with third-party-like advertisers. Last year, the agency settled charges against Nomi Technologies, a retail tracking company that uses signals from shoppers' mobile phones to track their movements throughout stores. The agency claimed that the company had misled consumers about their opt-out options. For Clear Channel Outdoor, the goal is to give advertisers tools to buy and measure the effectiveness of outdoor ads that are similar to those they use for digital and mobile ads. It tested the suite of data and analytics, which it calls Radar, with the shoe company Tom's and said it found a rise in brand awareness and purchases. Clear Channel <clears throat> will offer Radar in its top 11 markets, including Los Angeles and New York, starting on Monday, with plans to make it available across the country later this year. You know, I think I misnamed this show. <laughs> I think we could have called the show Orwell's Nightmare. Well, what I get from this story is... If you have a billboard that you go past regularly, switch your phone into flight mode when you get close to it. Mm -hmm. Wind down your car window. Use some hand signals at the billboard. Drive past the billboard. Put your phone back on. Well, <laughs> Let them track it, that. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, though. Yeah. I mean, the amount of... If you really believe that what's stored in your phone and in your emails are your digital personal books and papers, which is something no one has any legal right to without a warrant, that makes it particularly strange, this kind of amalgamation, this sort of data... It's almost like data about us is as valuable as currency, if not more so. Oh, it is. And governments yeah. and companies are trading it as though it were a commodity. I have a real problem with that. We're human beings. Well, you see, we're it comes down to all, all this data collection. It's much, much cheaper to do than employing loads of sociologists to study our behavior. Much easier for them to just collect the data, sift through it, and gain behavioural information that way. Rather than what they used to have to do was have psychologists, sociologists, or whatever. Right. Analyze. They have people call your house and ask you to take a survey to find out what the fuck you're thinking. Yeah. Just look at your social media and track your phone. Yep. But at some point, it's all going to be too much. When is that point? Is that hit it. It, Some of these companies can't cope with the amount of data they're getting. Well, right. But let's look at the Internet of Things, for example. Okay. There was, was it an Ethernet router. They, this woman found her Ethernet router. It was brand new. And she found that it was sending packets to China. Yeah. For no fucking reason. The Internet of Things, the way these things are programmed and are hardwired to be programmed, and it's very hard to overwrite their programming, is they're programmed to call home, send data to home. 
whoever manufactured them is home. So all of this data about us is going to, say, mainland China. And they're trying to send back packets, too, to talk to the router. If you don't know that's happening, you don't know to block that, you don't know to stop it. Most well, people don't have the technical ability or knowledge to do that, even if they wanted to. And that's a problem. Yeah, one of it's, the biggest manufacturers is um, Huawei or Huawei, or however you want to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. um, they make loads of routers, um, and it's the ones most of the big companies use when people join up and they give you a free router. Um, and yeah, they're manufactured in China, and they've been shown to have monitoring software built in. Yeah, um, some of the smarter internet service providers do use custom software, which gets yeah. rid of that. But yeah, you have to wonder. Yeah. Well, it, but it's hardwired in a lot of this stuff yeah. to talk to where it came from. Yeah, but so, you can also program the router to block certain right. But what I'm saying, to, yeah. right, certain packets from coming in or going out, and you can do that. Yeah. How many, Genie? Do you know how to stop outgoing packets from your router? No, my husband does. Okay. But your husband is also involved in telephonic technology. Yeah, he installs DSL. Okay. So, but for the average person, how easy is that to figure out? I wouldn't have a clue. All right, it's not. I would find He's... a smart friend. Right. Yeah, well, I am the smart friend, and I'm telling you, it's not easy. Especially if I'm very new to computers, okay? Which is funny, considering I'm such a fucking Luddite, right? I didn't get a smartphone until this year. You know, I'm not a photographing kind of gal. And in fact, I think I shocked the shit out of Jeannie last week. Or I'm sorry, the week of Valentine's Day. Why? When a photo actually appeared of me on yeah. social media. Yeah. <laughs> I was shitting bricks over that one. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, somebody's stolen John's phone and photographed her. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I'm sure it kind of seemed like that to everybody, because even... Man, the internet, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was a rare thing. I don't do that. And I don't do that for a simple reason. I don't... There's... We I've talked about we live in public before, right? I don't know if anybody's actually sat down and watched We Live in Public, but it kind of shows, and maybe you've seen some of this before, Barry, it shows surveillance camera footage in the UK. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's that's a all lot of that. Yeah. There's a ton of it. And it just shows how people go from a store to a street to walking across, you know, their yard and how they're captured pretty much every second of the day. That's a ridiculous amount of data that doesn't need to be floating around about Well, if, if I go out of the flat I live in mm -hmm. and walk towards the town centre, mm -hmm. it's a whole, I believe, about 100 yards before I'll hit the first CCTV. And CCTVs <laughs> are everywhere in the yep. UK. And it's oh yeah, once I get past that camera... Yeah, I'll just be on a series of cameras as I go around the town centre. Yeah. But, yeah. And Sterling's not even a particularly big place. Um, Doesn't need to be. 
When you're at a red light, look up sometime. Oh, yeah, they've all got cameras on. Yeah. They all do now. Yep. All do. Even in little podunk towns like where I live. Well, cameras. as I say, at least in Good the deals. UK, it's a very strict contract. And you know who's controlling the camera. But in the US, you've got so many private companies tendering for these bids. It could be anyone <laughs> mm -hmm. that's controlling that camera. It could be. All, all of this is a problem. I don't remember growing up that way. Jeannie, were you on camera all the time when you grew up? Because I wasn't. Uh, well, I, I live in a town that doesn't have a stoplight, so I'm well, still... Then she's she is so sheltered. Jeannie's somewhere where she hardly shows up on Google Earth. Um, yeah, it's, it's the back side of the bank, believe it or not. So, I mean, even the ATM camera wouldn't pick up crime that happened in front of the bank. That is awesome. <laughs> that is just, that is the dumbest use of technology ever. Um, Signs on the ATM. It does, but, you know. Oh, I, I have to I have to say the ATM cameras are useful in more urban settings because there have been people in the UK who have had their muggers arrested quite quickly because it's the like, ATMs shown them getting mugged. smacked from behind and their money taken and the police have immediately come round the corner and grabbed the people. Which you know, don't get doesn't me wrong, happen a lot, but I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. When you go somewhere in public, pretty much your right to privacy is gone. Yeah. What I have a problem with is that when you're at home, if you're on your cell phone, if you're on a wired computer system, it doesn't matter. Your right to privacy is also pretty much gone unless, well, even Tor isn't safe. And yeah. Tor used to be thought to be as good as gold. and Not until they found out about Carnegie Mellon and all the freaking hacking. Oh, the, the thing about cameras in the UK. Yeah, we've got mm -hmm. more than anywhere else on the planet. You do. But it is funny because they do have to put signs up warning you there's a camera. So <laughs> you go along a street and there's all these signs everywhere. Because even if you put one in your house, mm -hmm. if it's facing out onto the public street, you have to right. put a sign up saying you've got a camera. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, you're breaking the law. It's amazing. So, yeah, it's really weird over here. It sounds oppressive. We've got all these cameras. But, it's yeah, most of the time it doesn't impact on you. Unless it's, you break the law, in which case the police are going to use them to find you. And find you pretty quick. It sounds oppressive. You know what sounds oppressive? The year we had the Republican National Convention in Tampa. A few years ago. Um, was the year Ron Paul was running. Okay. And I remember this distinctly because the city of Tampa hired about 12 or 13 different companies to put up these smart, like, street signs. But they're not just smart street signs. I, I forget what they're called. But they can detect, like, geothermal imaging of people. They can detect body temperature. They can detect speech. They can detect all kind of really creepy shit. And these were all over the place. And after the convention was gone, they were still there. And now this company is trying to sell more of these. So yeah. they're really going to be everywhere. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the, ma the main use of those particular type of cameras, uh, the military developed those for checkpoints uh, because it really, sh it really shows up nicely someone with a dynamite vest on under a coat because the you body temperature map of your body is completely wrong right. <laughs> well, if you're I mean, waiting. If, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to do something like that, I mean, it makes sense to have it outside an airport, right? Yeah. I don't know that you need to have them outside of convention centers, but we do now. So, and that's part of our landscape here. Yeah, I mean, you don't so need fun. that and all the x-ray equipment they use at these places now to scan people as they're going in. I mean, it's overkill. Yeah. It, uh, it's a little... It's all a little too much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All of this feels overwhelming. Now, let's talk about Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much understand this. Anything that can happen here can happen anywhere. And anything that can happen anywhere can happen here. All you need is an idea. German police can now use spyware to monitor suspects. Spyware can only be installed when lives are at risk or the nation is threatened. German police are now permitted to infect a suspect's computer and mobile devices with special Trojan software to monitor communications made with the systems the country's interior ministry has confirmed. The malware can only be deployed when lives are at risk or the state is threatened and will require a court order to allow police officers to infect the machines of alleged criminals. However, the government-developed malware must not be used to monitor other activities on the system, because that will never happen, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, or to change data or programs. It follows a decision by Germany's Constitutional Court in 2008, which ruled an individual's private life should have absolute protection and that eavesdropping must be limited to a person's communications with the outside world. But Frank Rieger, a spokesperson for the famous Chaos Computer Club, has cast doubt on the German government's pledge to adhere to those standards with its Trojan software. In an article on the Deutschland Funk website, Rieger noted that it was very hard to create malware that can be used to monitor communications in a way that does not infringe on the protected private sphere. The CCC has been tracking Germany's authorized malware for some years now. Back in 2011, the Hacker Association analyzed a previous Trojan used and written by the German police and found that the malware can not only siphon away intimate data, but also offers a remote control or backdoor functionality for uploading and executing arbitrary other programs. Even worse, the CCC reported at the time that significant design and implemental flaws make all of the functionality available to anyone on the internet. This, of course, remains the fundamental problem with any such official malware. Once a vulnerability has been created in a system, there is always the risk that others will find and exploit it too. It's possible that the fear that the homegrown Trojan may not be good enough to survive a court challenge is behind the German government's consideration of commercial spyware from the controversial Gamma Group, whose products have been used around the world, notably by repressive governments against political activists. The Deutschland Funk report also quoted a politician from the Green Party who pointed out that whichever Trojan software was chosen, the use by the German government of program flaws in order to insert police malware on a suspect's computer was inherently problematic, 
arguably, instead of helping to improve security for the millions of Germans likely to be affected by a serious bug, the authorities could leave it unpatched so that they can exploit the flaw for their Trojan. Moreover, as noted by Rieger, one of the, once those bugs are eventually fixed, the German authorities will need to find other vulnerabilities to exploit and may even start bidding for them in one of the dodgy zero-day markets. The legal constraints on the use of the government's malware imposed by the German's constitutional court against a contrast painfully with the UK government proposals in its draft investigatory powers bill, dubbed a snoopers charter, which seems to give police and intelligence agencies unlimited and secret equipment interference powers to break into systems, change software there, and spy on everything the user does. <laughs> uh-huh. Not really shocking. No. Genie? Shocking? No. No. What gets me is, yeah, they say it in there, they'll eventually come to the point where they're going to have to use outside contractors to find flaws to oh, yeah. exploit. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem for the German government and all governments and companies when it comes to that point is the guys that are getting these flaws off will also be selling these flaws on to other people and the government itself will probably find oh shit we've been infected with malware (laughs) because they used that flaw Uh but we we only knew about it because we bought it off that guy there Uh, but somebody else has been using it against us for five years we didn't know this is what happens well come on the sucks net thing yeah okay we deployed that, we deploy that, hackers in other countries, break it down, figure it out, make it worse, and then deploy it against us. I mean, yep. it's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is why uh, China um, has been one of the biggest investors in info wars, shall we say, of any country. They're f- they make all the stuff, they're fully aware that, yeah, they need to protect themselves. Because, <laughs> you know, all the stuff's made in factories over there. And, yeah, they've had um, problems already with hackers <laughs> breaking in and adding code into hardware. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, the Chinese government have spent a fortune on uh, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I don't want to say most of it comes from China because that's blaming people who have nothing to do with it. It really is their government, not yeah. so much them. Well, so. Mo- most most of the malware and problems does still come from annoying little jerks sitting in their house <laughs> uh, wanting to cause chaos and thinking no. they're smart up until they get caught and go to jail for 40 years. Um, oh, you mean like <laughs> fucking lizard squad? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so I said we would talk about Guantanamo Bay. I really, 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 really am not looking forward to this one. Obama's plan to close Guantanamo would establish indefinite detention on U.S. soil. Saying that the prison at Guantanamo Bay undermines our standing in the world, President Barack Obama on February 23rd announced a detailed plan to close the facility 14 years after it was first inaugurated by President George W. Bush. 
Among other measures, the plan calls for a number of Guantanamo prisoners to be transferred into permanent custody in the United States. This component of the government's plan has alarmed many legal experts who say it would create a dangerous precedent for indefinite detention without trial in the United States. Hang on, guys. Sorry about this. Dead air. Sorry. The infamy of Guantanamo has never been its physical location, but the illegal regime of indefinite detention without charges that underpins it, says Omar Shakir, a lawyer with the Center for Constitutional Rights. The administration's proposal contains a number of measures that we have long advocated, but importing indefinite detention to the United States is not a plan to close Guantanamo. It's a plan to move Guantanamo to another zip code. Among the measures praised by civil rights activists are accelerated transfers of detainees are declared for release and periodic review board hearings for those whose legal status remains unsettled. However, the government's plan also includes a more troubling proposal to relocate and indefinitely detain a number of prisoners in the United States, either in existing prisons or a new one constructed specifically to house them. The Department of Defense determined that, with modifications, a variety of Department of Defense, Bureau of Prisons, and state prison facilities could safely, securely, and humanely house Guantanamo detainees for the purpose of military commissions and continued law of war detention, the document states, adding that 13 unspecified locations had been examined as possible sites for detention of the prisoners. Significant legal roadblocks remain to moving detainees to U.S. soil, however, thanks to congressional legislation banning such transfers. In a statement released on the 23rd, House Speaker Paul Ryan denounced Obama's new plan claiming that moving the prisoners to the United States would jeopardize our national security. Republican presidential candidates have also criticized the plan, with Florida Senator Marco Rubio, that little putz, vowing, not only are we not going to close Guantanamo, if we capture a terrorist alive, they're going to Guantanamo, and we are going to find out everything they know. Senator Patrick Leahy, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, called on Congress to drop its opposition to closing the prison, describing the restrictions on detainee transfers to the U.S. as unnecessary and counterproductive. Currently, 91 prisoners remain in the prison, down from a peak of nearly 800. Of those who remain, 35 are currently approved for release and transferred to a third-party country. Many have been awaiting transfer since 2009. The administration's plan would release these men quickly while identifying more who may be eligible for clearance. It would also wind down the prison population to a smaller number of detainees who would likely never be approved for release. These forever prisoners would make up the population of the future prison facility somewhere in the United States. While it is gratifying to see President Obama committing to close the prison and transfer out more detainees, the proposal to bring detainees to the United States for indefinite detention without charges is dangerous, said Noreen Shaw, director of the Security and Human Rights Program at Amnesty International. Obama's plans for closing the prison also preserves Bush-era practices of trying prisoners under military commissions rather than through civilian courts. Such commissions have been widely criticized as unconstitutional as well as ineffective at securing convictions. In a particularly cruel irony, prisoners who were tortured during their detention are unable to obtain due process because the evidence against them was legally tainted by their abuse. 
The administration's plan would continue to bar such prisoners from civilian legal process, something the ACLU described in a statement as a mistake and an otherwise well-intentioned plan to shut the prison. While the administration's plan contains a number of laudable steps, the legal blueprint for detaining those men in the United States sets a dangerous precedent for others a future administration may deem terrorists, said Shakir. We've already seen significant due process violations and abuses in the handling of these cases, with people being subjected to torture and imprisonment for years without charge. Creating a legal regime to justify indefinite detention would create grave dangers for future individuals or groups detained in a U.S. context. Making indefinite detention without charge an accepted practice in the United States could also open the door for more radical legal measures in the future. Not really happy about that one. No. Um, yeah. They will never move the most interesting prisoners to U.S. soil. Uh, they have other black sites. Guantanamo's just the, the one, one everybody found out about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they've been caught. They've got they've got facilities in Africa and in Eastern Europe that they keep denying they have. Uh, wasn't it the Polish government who um, caught them out? Yeah. <laughs> Going, yeah. you know, the American, yeah, the CIA were claiming, no, no, we don't have any facilities in your country. And yeah. the Polish I mean, were going, well, there's that one there. You, you know, we've seen you putting people in there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you haven't. You yeah. haven't seen anything. Um, the problem I foresee is um, who's heard of a little place called Hanman Square? Yeah. People go into Hanman Square in Chicago. And it's my understanding that a lot of times their lawyers have a really hard time finding them. Sometimes they're detained for a really long time without charges. If that's happening now by police forces now, and we supposedly have constitutional protections, it's a slippery slope. You know what I mean? Jeannie, any thoughts? None. Ab None. None. All right. See, oh, I and I have to mention I have to mention some of the really bad prisoners. They they play uh, aeroplane uh, games with them. They they're not legally detained in one place. They keep moving them round between the black sites, you know, <laughs> so that it's, you can never find them. Well, it's kind of. Um, and I'm sure they must exist. Prison chips. I mean, I would think that would be an ideal way for them to deal with this. And I, I know this is stupid for me to say stuff like this, but wouldn't that be a better way to deal with this? Prison it's what they used to do in the old order. days. Yeah. yeah. The British just, were very fond of prison chips. Yeah. I'm just very surprised it's not a practice that's come into vogue now. Well, yeah, well, trade, world trade's becoming more efficient. They're constantly scrapping lots of the old freighters. Yeah, they could buy a few of those and convert them quite cheaply. More of them saying. in international waters. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> the person's not, not findable because they aren't technically in a country. So, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of on the waters. Yeah. So, this was kind of neat. 
um, prosecutors halt vast, likely illegal DEA wiretap operation. I know this is hard to believe. The government's not living up to their end of the bargain. Prosecutors in a Los Angeles suburb say they have dramatically scaled back a vast and legally questionable eavesdropping operation built by federal drug agents that once accounted for nearly a fifth of all U.S. wiretaps. The wiretapping authorized by prosecutors and a single state court judge in Riverside County alarmed privacy advocates and even some U.S. Justice Department lawyers who warned that it was likely illegal. An investigation last year by the Desert Sun and USA Today found that the operation almost certainly violated federal wiretapping laws while using millions of secretly intercepted calls and texts to make hundreds of arrests nationwide. Riverside's district attorney, Mike Heston, acknowledged being concerned by the scope of that surveillance and said he enacted significant reforms last summer to rein it in. Wiretap figures his office released this week offer the first evidence that enormous eavesdropping program has wound down to more routine levels. Quote, I definitely don't apologize for using this tool to hit the cartels in Riverside County, said Heston, who took office last year. I think the reforms I put in place were necessary, but this is still a tool I believe in. It needs to be used cautiously, but it should be available when necessary. The number of wiretaps authorized in Riverside County started to climb in 2010. It quadrupled by 2014 when the county approved 624 wiretaps, three times as many as any other state or federal court. Most of the surveillance was conducted at the behest of the U.S. DEA, who used eavesdropping to make arrests and seize drugs and cash as far away as New York and Virginia. Officials approved another 607 wiretaps in 2015, according to figures released by the DA's office. Most were approved in the first half of the year, before Heinstein said he installed stricter standard that required every new wiretap application to have a strong investigatory nexus to Riverside County. Uh, if the current rate continues, Riverside County will end 2016 with about somewhere between 85 and 120 wiretaps still enough to rank it among the nation's busiest wiretapping jurisdictions based on 2014 records, but the county will no longer be in a stratosphere all its own. I'm pleased to hear this, but it never should have gotten this out of hand in the first place, said Steve Harmon, the Riverside County Public Defender. If there's no strong investigative connection to Riverside County, then Riverside County has no interest in being in this business. Privacy advocates who had expressed alarm in the past were more cautious. Jennifer Lynch, a senior staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, said it was reassuring the Riverside wiretap numbers had normalized, but worried there's no oversight, even for new eavesdropping orders. Almost all wiretaps are sealed and are sometimes kept secret, even from the suspects who are arrested as a result of the eavesdropping, Lynch said. <sighs> shock? Anyone? No. No shock. Well, it's kind of... Uh it is a busy county for the old wiretaps, certainly. It's... Do the it's DEA a, not have any on-the-ground agents there? I don't know, but they, they just, fly around with fucking dirt boxes, so yeah. I don't think they really needed the wiretaps. I mean, this is the thing that I kind of really start thinking when I look at all these cases. You have the DEA, the FBI, the CIA the DEA, um, and then your state and local law enforcement. Well, all of these people can essentially do the same thing. Yeah. That's 
ridiculous. I mean, for different things, they can do the same thing. It's ridiculous. So it it almost makes sense in a way to use EO twelve triple three to cut down on the costs by spreading out the metadata. That almost makes sense when you look at the costs associated with these, especially as far as our tax burden goes. But it's still, I don't know, all this stuff just leaves an unsavory feeling. I feel dirty when I read about this. I can't describe it any other way. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yes, the police are going to want to listen into stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, them and security agencies seem to be shortchanging the public, if you will. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing proper investigation these days, mm-hmm. they just do blanket surveillance and hope something shows up. Which is ridiculous because yeah. that's also shortchanging the investigators. Yeah. I mean, being an investigator is a hard freaking job. Any edge is great, but still, there is something about a person digging and doing this stuff, not so much making it an automated process. Yeah. I mean, if you have decent investigators, then wiretaps are a fantastic tool because they can home in on precisely the phone they want to listen to. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas that's not what they're doing these days. No, it's just blanket surveillance. It's blanket surveillance. Yeah, and then and then instead of see, it saves them money. Instead of having to employ lots of competent investigators, what they're now what they can now do is just have lots of lower paid people who are just there to sift through all this massive quantity of data they've collected. Yeah, but you're you're yeah, but you're you're increasing the haystack. You know, you, you're the NSA data center, right? Yeah. In that, the, what is it, 120 yottabytes of information? Well, yeah, I mean, yottabytes, that's what it's yeah. going to hold. That's more information that's ever than has ever been written. And it's going to hold all that information. Security experts have been saying for years now that the bulk surveillance slows down investigations. It doesn't help. Well, it doesn't help. It can't. How can you take? You're taking and looking for a needle in a haystack, right? And you're getting it down to a manageable level, and then you're dumping more hay. How is that making anything better? Even yeah. if you have the world's greatest algorithms, and the world's greatest data sifters, and the world's greatest investigators doing this, if you're dumping more information on them than any of them can handle, how are you making things better? You're not. You're making it a you're making it a surveillance clusterfuck. Well, yeah, I mean, you see it in all the the high-profile terrorist cases we've been having in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. There's always stories after the event going, oh, yeah, and the FBI had this information six months before, but it didn't come to light until the event happened. Yeah. So literally, it wasn't until the, the event happened... Mm-hmm. That they sifted through all the data they had and went, oh, yeah, yeah, we should have known about that. Oops. <laughs> None of these fucking alphabet people ever share information. So, really, if the 
fucking government really wants to know something, get ninety mm-hmm. percent of these fucking ABC organizations, and then your chances of finding something out have just gone up ninety percent. Well, not in not to That's the right man to, yeah. to to bring home another point. All of these agencies that aren't sheriffs are technically illegal under the constitution if we're actually governed by a constitution that is not a living document that actually contains what the founders meant when they wrote it then FBI CIA, DEA FDA none of these agencies have any reasonable basis to exist the states are supposed to govern you and then the further away government is supposed to be for your defense for defense of your country yeah the only the only uh, agency with a mandate nationally technically is Mm -hmm. the u.s marshals because of the way it was set up um but they have a very limited <laughs> um, sphere of operation. Um, right, but, but technically, they're the only ones that are supposed to cross-border stuff. Well, none of these, none of these agencies are supposed to exist, and yeah. yet they do. So it, it stands to reason you have to ask yourself, what does the Constitution do? If the government writes a scope of laws that is breathtaking every year and most laws take form in regulation now like instead of the government writing laws about you or to protect you or whatever they have these agencies that write them and give them to congress and congress passes them or or not as as however the case may be um so you're taking lawmaking completely out of the equation you can fucking write off congress because they're doing nothing if you look at the federal rulemaking that happens on a daily basis, right, and you start reading all these things that come down from Congress and, and they go into the regulations books, most of them are missives from Congress congratulating the FBI or the FDA or um, any number of federal agencies for creating this rule for them. They have nothing to do with making laws. They're part of a dog and pony show they're there for show they're there rubber stomp and have big dinners right they're they're kind of like what we see in the uk in brussels you know you've got all these layers of jerks basically standing in the way of the people who are actually really making the laws that's a real problem you have no voice when you have no way to stop it yeah. When you don't even know what's happening, when you don't even know why, how do you stop it? Can't. That's a problem. So the Constitution, as it's written, does not do anything to protect the sheep from the wolves. And it's not going to. Not even not so long as we don't understand it or we don't live up to it. It, it's pretty fucked up, folks. The original intent 
that was there was created for really vigilant society. And when you look at the personal letters of Thomas Jefferson, he advocated that every 20 years, the document that bound the government together be updated. Because what he said about the Constitution was that it was eventually going to be a yoke on the backs of the young people. It's, it's some pretty interesting stuff, and that's mostly in letters he'd written to other lawmakers. So there's, there's a lot of really interesting thoughts about that document. And I'm a big Fourth Amendment girl, and watching it getting trampled all over is killing me. Everybody gets upset about the Second Amendment. Nobody understands what's in the first. If you ask even lawyers, most of them can't tell you what's in it. Lawyers, these are people you pay to represent you when you're convicted of a fucking crime. Most of them can't tell you what's in the First Amendment, but they can tell you that it hurts people's feelings and we need to stop hurting each other's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of a fucking society do we live in? Jeannie, you want to want to have a go at that? No, the whole hurt. It's just we are so crazy. We are a pussified society. Oh, you know, that's right. Anybody? Fuck that. Fuck that. If I think you're being a moron, I should be able to tell you that I think you're being a moron. Right. Um, the... Uh, Go ahead, get it out. We're not going to have Alex till 7.30, so let it all out. <laughs> yeah, it's, um... It's, go ahead. Nobody sees this stuff for being as ridiculous as it is? No. That's, that's what really is surprising to me. The fact that we're talking about this, not surprising at all. <laughs> Really? No, not really at all. Um, so, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go down and read the thing that I, I sent it to you yesterday. I'm like, is this too much? And I'm going to read that now. Okay. okay. And I can go on and on later about tour, because I will, because it pisses <laughs> me off. <laughs> I'm sorry it does. Um, but there are other... There are other articles and, and things that are written that they should be read. And I'll get to it, but I'm sorry, I'm, I'm scrolling through, is this page 78? Mm -hmm. I love this. Okay. Ah. Here we are. The Age of Authoritarianism, Government of the Politicians by the Military for the Corporations by John W. Whitehead. That's... Um, Rutherford Institute, by the way, if anybody's needs a good lawyer, Rutherford Institute. <clears throat> Quote, I was astonished, bewildered. This was America, a country where whatever its faults, people could speak, write, assemble, demonstrate without fear. It was in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. We were a democracy. But I knew it wasn't a dream. There was a painful lump on the side of my head. The state and its police were not neutral referees in a society of contending interests. They were on the sides of the rich and powerful. Free speech, try it, and the police will be there with their hoses, their clubs, their guns to stop you. 
from that moment on, I was no longer a liberal, a believer in the self-correcting character of American democracy. I was a radical, believing that something fundamental was wrong in this country. Not just the existence of poverty among great wealth, not just the horrible treatment of black people, but something rotten at the root. The situation required not just a new president or new laws, but an uprooting of the old order, the introduction of a new kind of society, cooperative, peaceful, algaritarian, historian Howard Zinn. America is at a crossroads. History may show that from this point forward, we have left behind any semblance of constitutional government and entered into a militaristic state where all citizens are suspects and security trumps freedom. Certainly, this is a time when government officials operate off their own inscrutable self-serving playbook with little in the way of checks and balances while American citizens are subjected to all manners of indignities and violations with little hopes of defending themselves. As I made clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, we have moved beyond the era of representative government and entered a new age, the age of authoritarianism. Even with its constantly shifting terrain, this topsy-turvy travesty of law and government has become America's new normal. Don't believe me? Let me take you on a brief guided tour, but prepare yourself. The landscape is particularly disheartening to anyone who remembers what America used to be. The executive branch, whether it's the Obama administration's war on whistleblowers, the systematic surveillance of journalists and regular citizens, the continued operation of Guantanamo Bay, or the occupation of Afghanistan, Barack Obama has surpassed his predecessors in terms of his abuse of the Constitution and the rule of law. President Obama, like many of his predecessors, has routinely disregarded the Constitution when it suited his purposes operating largely above the law and behind a veil of secrecy, executive orders, and suspicious legal justifications. Rest assured that no matter who wins this next presidential election, very little will change. The policies of the American police state will continue. The legislative branch. It is not overstating matters to say that Congress may well be the most self-serving, semi-corrupt institution in America. Abuses of office run the gamut from elected representatives neglecting their constituencies to engaging in self-serving practices, including the misuse of eminent domain, earmarking hundreds of millions of dollars in federal contracting in return for personal gain and campaign contributions, having inappropriate ties to lobbyist groups, and incorrectly or incompletely disclosing financial information. Pork barrel spending, hastily passed legislation, partisan bickering, a skewed work ethic, graft, and moral turpitude have all contributed to the public's increasing dissatisfaction with congressional leadership. No wonder 86% of Americans disapprove of the job Congress is doing. The Judicial Branch The Supreme Court was intended to be an institution established to intervene and protect the people against the government and its agents when they overstep their bounds. Yet through their defense to police power, preference for security over freedom, and evisceration of our most basic rights for the sake of order and expediency, the justices of the United States Supreme Court have become the guardians of the American police state in which we now live. As a result, sound judgment and justice have largely taken a backseat to legalism, statism, and elitism while preserving the rights the people have been deprived, has been despotized and made to play second fiddle to both government and corporate interests. 
shadow government. America's next president will inherit more than a bitterly divided nation teetering on the brink of financial catastrophe when he or she assumes office. He or she will also inherit a shadow government, one that is fully operational and staffed by unelected officials who are, in essence, running the country. Referred to as the deep state, this shadow government is comprised of an unelected government bureaucrats, corporations, contractors, paper pushers, and button, pu button pushers who are actually calling the shots behind the scenes right now. Law enforcement. Sorry. By and large, the term law enforcement companies encompasses all agencies within a militarized police state, including the military, local police, and various agencies such as the Secret Service, FBI, CIA, NSA, etc. Having been given the green light to probe, poke, pinch, taser, search, strip, and generally manhandle anyone they see fit in almost any circumstance, all with the general blessing of the courts, America's law enforcement officials, no longer mere servants of the people, entrusted with keeping the peace, but now extensions of the military, are part of an elite ruling class dependent on the keeping of the masses corralled, under control, and treated like suspects and enemies rather than citizens. In the latest move to insulate the police state from the charges of misconduct, Virginia lawmakers are considering legislation to keep police officers' names secret, ostensibly creating secret police forces. A suspect surveillance society. Every dystopian sci-fi film we've seen is suddenly converging into this present moment, into a dangerous trifecta between science, technology, and a government that wants to be all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful. By tapping into your phone lines and cell phone communication, the government knows what you say. By uploading all of your emails, opening your mail, and reading your Facebook posts and text messages, the government knows what you write. By monitoring your movements with the use of license plate readers, surveillance cameras, and other tracking devices, the government knows where you go. By churning through all the detritus of your life, what you read, where you go, what you say, the government can predict what you will do. By mapping the synapses in your brain, scientists, and in turn the government, will soon know what you remember. And by accessing your DNA, the government will soon know everything else about you that they don't already know. Your family chart, your ancestry, what you look like, your health history, your inclination to follow orders, or chart your own course, etc. Currently, in the face of DNA evidence that places us at the scene of a crime, behavior sensing technology that interprets our body temperature and facial tics as suspicious, and government surveillance devices that cross-check our biometrics, license plates, and DNA against a growing database of unsolved crimes and potential criminals, we are no longer innocent until proven guilty. Military empire. America's endless global wars and burgeoning military empire, funded by taxpayer dollars, have depleted our resources, overextended our military, and increased our similarities to the Roman Empire and its eventual demise. The U.S. now operates approximately 800 military bases in foreign countries around the globe at an annual cost of $156 billion. The consequences of financing a global military presence are dire. In fact, David Walker, former Comptroller General of the U.S., believes there are, quote, striking similarities between America's current situation and the factors that contributed to the fall of Rome, including declining moral values and political civility at home and overconfident and overextended military in foreign lands and fiscal irresponsibility, I'm sorry, by the central government. I haven't even touched on the corporate state, the military-industrial complex, SWAT team raids, invasive surveillance technologies, zero-tolerance policies in schools, over-criminalization, or privatized prisons, to name just a few. 
but what I've touched on should be enough to show that the landscape of our freedoms has already changed dramatically from what it once was and will no doubt continue to deteriorate unless Americans can find a way to wrest back control of their government and reclaim their freedoms. That brings me to the final and most important factor in bringing about America's shift into authoritarianism. We the people. We are the government. Thus, if the government has become a tyrannical agency, it's because we have allowed it to happen, either through our inaction or our blind trust. Essentially, there are four camps of thought among the citizenry when it comes to holding the government accountable. Which camp you falls into says a lot about your view of the government, or at least your view of whichever administration happens to be in power at the time. In the first camp are those who trust the government to do the right thing, despite the government's repeated failures in this department. In the second camp are those who not only don't trust the government, but think the government is out to get them. In the third camp are those who see government neither as an angel or a devil, but merely as an entity that needs to be controlled, or as Thomas Jefferson phrased it, bound down from mischief with the chains of the Constitution. Then there's the fourth camp, comprised of individuals who pay little to no attention to the workings of government, so much so that they barely vote, let alone know who's in office. Easily entertained, easily distracted, easily led, these are the ones who make the government's job far easier than it should be. It is easy to be diverted, distracted, and amused by the antics of the presidential candidates. The pomp and circumstance of award shows, athletic events, and entertainment news, and the feel-good evangelism that passes for re religion today. What is far more difficult to face up to is the reality of American life, where unemployment, poverty, inequality, injustice, and violence by government agents are increasingly norms. The powers that be want us to remain divided alienated from each other based on our politics, our bank accounts, our religion, our race, and our value systems. Yet as George Orwell observed, the real division is not between conservatives and revolutionaries, but between authoritarians and libertarians. The only distinction that matters anymore is where you stand in the American police state. In other words, you're part of the problem or you're part of the solution. So that was cheery. <laughs> it was nice summary, though. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I don't, I, I don't know if I think that there are only the two places. You're part of the problem, part of the solution. I don't either. I mean, I think, I think, and and here's where I'm going to talk about vaping. So this will be for the first time tonight. Um, I don't know if Alex is going to make it for the 7:30 event, but uh, I'm going to keep talking anyway. Um. So, I think vapors are doing a fuck of a good job of smashing the state. Try. I think we're, I think we're doing it by taking all that tax money and going fuck you. And the government keeps trying to get it back. You notice that, right? Oh yeah. If you look at all the legislation lately, it's taxes, 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 because unlike us. The government can't cut down the amount of stupid pork barrel shit that it does. I think that's a way you smash the state. It really didn't take long for me to go from where I was to, you know, um, anarchy. I think <laughs> we would do much better with no rulers at all. I don't think we need rulers. Fortunately, un unfortunately, I think there's a lot of fucking idiots that need guidance. Yeah, I'm just he, starting to wonder if the government's the one to give it to us. Yeah, 
human society, the way humans are designed, we like hierarchical structures. So, yeah, there's always going to be a few in charge. It's just how do you come up with a good way of making sure the right people are in charge? What know. are the right people? I mean, that's the eternal question. Draft them. Yeah. Draft them. Yeah, everybody gets two years. Fuck you, Jan. I don't want to do it either, Jeannie, but I'd rather do it than have that fuckwit Donald Trump run the country. I'm just saying, why not fucking draft people? No one wants to go into the military. It's military or governmental service, and governmental service means you're a Congress critter or some other horrible creature for a couple of years and then you go away and you wash the disgust and the filth off yourself and you cry for a while but you've done your duty the problem is what we elect are old rich white men we don't elect anybody who's like us Excuse ever me, you, you missed crazy out of that description yeah. <laughs> And I know it's not a, a popular idea, believe me. But, I don't know. Something's got to change, right? If we're going to have a society where people rule over other people, then everybody has to have a chance. Whether you're an authoritarian fuckwit or, or a hands-off, live-and-let-live kind of person. And the only way that's going to happen is if you get rid of the electoral college and enforce a draft legislating body. Yeah, well, the electoral college never should is, have been. No, the electoral college is fucking bullshit. It, it, that never should have been. Um, the president of this country should be solely based on the popular vote. Mm -hmm. Period. That's it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. I said I'd rather do it than Donald Trump and somebody said, Michael Morris said, he gets two years too. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe we can give him two years at the DMV. That seems like a good place for him. He'd at least be amusing there, I guess. No, 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 not the DMV either. Waste management. Enough comes out of his mouth. He must know a fair <laughs> bit about it. I'm not the only one who thinks he's terrible, am I? You can't vote independent because you're just wasting your vote. vote. <sighs> the only reason that is true is because... People like to back a winner. No one ever wants... These have washed everybody into thinking that. Well, you know, the Electoral College is not exactly helping with that uh, sparkling little gem either. I mean, it's a problem. It's a definite problem, right? So the other solution is direct democracy, which I'm not a fan of. I'm really not a fan of What's supposed to happen with the constitutional republic and is not happening is that the voice of even the lowliest of citizens does not get lost in the rabble cries for popular opinion to take hold. We don't have that either. We have a lot of problems with the structure of government and our place in it. Our place in it is almost gone. When, was it Harvard? One of the 
one of the big colleges did a study last year of, of the way governments work and said that the United States was no longer a republic. It was no longer a constitutional government. It was no longer even a democracy. It was a oligarchy. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a problem. If everything deteriorates into oligarchy eventually, then there has to be some fix for it, right? There has to be a way to get out of this inverted totalitarianism that we're living under. And inverted totalitarianism is when the corporations are pretty much essentially in charge. Uh, something like the TTP or the TTIP is not something that would pass if we had a direct democracy system. I truly believe that. People don't want their jobs going away. People don't want to pay more for drugs. People don't want to be trapped in jobs where the wages never go up, but the goods around them are priced out of their price range. So, you know, there are other systems. This doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all. It's what we know. But, you know, everything changes. We either dial it back, and I'm not sure how you do that without blood, or we try something new. I don't know. Been a few hundred years. Maybe it's time to try something new. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I just know I've been looking at the problem for over 30 years. And the problem hasn't changed, it's just gotten worse. And the more I look at it, the more I see that there's less and less I can do to change it. And I feel kind of hopeless about it, I won't lie. I think the only foothold we have as common citizens, as you, Jeannie Kay, and, and me, Jan Johnson, and you, very boring, is with our, our very most local governments. That is the only change we can hope to make. Yeah. That is the only sway you have. But, you know, you also have a community. People don't talk to each other anymore. I, I've got horrible neighbors, but they're, I, I would trust them to not allow me to be killed. But years ago, I knew all my neighbors. Oh, no, mine would Some, let me Years would let you go. I, uh, she would like to kill me sometimes. But people don't talk to each other anymore. Hey, my, my neighbors so tend to change every six months. <laughs> I live in a, f a block that's full of students. Who, yeah. yeah, They move around a lot. So yeah, it's seldom we have the same neighbors for, more, for, for a year even. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think... I used to say, you know, the government's going to topple when you can't print any more money. I don't know. We've seen countries with massive hyperinflation, and yeah, things do change. But essentially with the Federal Reserve System and the Fractional Reserve Banking System, there's a way to keep this going forever, especially if they get rid of cash. They get rid of cash outright. They can keep playing their little game for as long as we let them. The thing is, most people haven't caught on to the fact that it is a game. And it's not rigged for you or me. It's rigged for the six or seven people that want it all. And they want it their way. 
it's not a government anybody wants to live under. And that's why you see protests. There's a page called Revolution News. And on this page is just live feeds of all the protests that are going on all over the world. Nobody's happy right now. That tells you the problem isn't just here. It's everywhere. Nobody likes their leaders and nobody likes the system they live under. Something's got to give, right? It can't consistently go on that way. Can it? No. There are places where people are happy with our government. I should point out just for a bit of balance. But they tend to be like little tiny places that hardly anybody lives. <laughs> so that F- Fiji with- <laughs> apparently is quite stable. Um. <laughs> so you're saying like the little islands with 12 people on them, they're happy as shit there. Yeah. So Most of them the- still have monarchies weirdly, but yeah, we won't go into that. <laughs> yeah, there's the chiefs in charge. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just think this is not, this is not the way it was intended to be, and it's not the way it should be. And everybody pretty much feels dissatisfied with some part of their government. Well, I, I've, I think I've said it before, but I, I like the old-fashioned um, Viking method of. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's in charge, where, yeah, the guy gets voted in, he is king of your particular tribe, but and if he messes up and you don't like what you do, he does. You chop his head off and vote, <laughs> vote in somebody else. You'd soon get a better class of politician. Uh, it's like, you mess up, you die. <laughs> it's like, that you is know. the ultimate form of accountability. Yeah. He will kill you. Just... <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel really strange about going as far off the topic as I did tonight, although I think all this stuff's tied in together. The regulation, the money, the fact that the people you elect have like literally nothing to do with your governance. All this is tied in, and it's not just tied into vaping. It's just tied into a general, I think dissatisfaction with the way things are. Speaking of of vaping, Jan, Mm -hmm. Yes. I know you've read all of the news about the FDA. (laughs) Yeah. If you were looking for something else to bitch about tonight. (laughs) Are we talking about the fact that they just gave the FDA to Big Pharma? Yes. Yeah, I couldn't believe they put Cardiff in charge of it. I, I just... God, that stinks. Let's be fair. They've now publicly put Pharma in charge yeah. of the FDA. Yeah, well, yeah, no kidding. And it always it, was the, the Pharma that was in charge of it. It's right. Just, now it's kind of official. You know? Yeah, it's it's out in the open now. Now everybody yeah. knows. And it's kind of funny. Um, they came out the closet. <laughs> I was watching Idiocracy the other day. Has anybody seen that? No. Never seen Idiocracy. I have, but it was ages ago. Right. But it was really funny. There's, There's a point where the government just gets taken over. And this big, like, Gatorade type company buys the FDA. 
it's pretty funny. It, yeah. it really is. It's it's uh, it's a comedy. I can't watch it anymore and laugh. Although I laughed my ass off the first time I saw it. It's a really good film. And it was a critique of people and the system of government they live under. It was actually really well done, and you would really like it if you like political satire at all. It's great. Yeah, and it is almost a documentary now. It's pretty fucked up. I don't think years ago when it was when it was written, it no one wanted to touch it. They said, "Oh, this will never happen." Yeah. It is. It's happening now. Well, I mean, I'm spoiled in a way, because in the UK, we we love our political satire. And we've all, each generation seems to produce another set of writers and producers that are really good at it. Um, At the minute, the the guy of note is Armando Iannucci, the thick of it. And they did an American version of that, I believe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, who just take the piss out of the government and just show up the idiocy. I mean, House of Cards was a re- Kevin Spacey doing a fine job. Right. But originally that was done 20 years ago in the UK. It's a rewrite of a UK show. So yeah, we've had generation after generation of excellent yeah. political satire. And then you look at it later and go... Oh no, that is actually happening. That wasn't uh, that wasn't political satire. That was prophecy. Yeah. Um, Alex is home from right. the doctor's office, so it's something going around, I guess. Yeah. So I told him six minutes. So yeah, give him good. a chance to get a cup of coffee or yeah. A large glass of whiskey, or whatever it is. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm I'm sure if he listened to the show tonight, he needed a couple of shots. I know. I don't drink, and I could use one or two after I read this stuff. And the worst part is, I pick this stuff. Yeah. All the stuff that you hear me rant about week after week, I pick it. Not because oh, th- it's fun. I think mm-hmm. I've said to you before, John, but if you can find footage of it on YouTube. You need to watch a UK <laughs> comedy program, um, okay. The Last Leg, okay. which is a couple of disabled guys and their friend, but they talk about the political stuff. <laughs> and last week's was really quite interesting. They did a bit about the Republican race, and mm-hmm. they're doing a poll over this week. Right. Okay. The three main candidates, and. To vote for which one you like least, <laughs> <laughs> they have set up in a some bar in London. They've set up urinals with pictures <laughs> of the candidates on them, and you go and piss on whichever one you like the least. <laughs> that that must be doing amazing. Yeah, apparently they had hundreds of um, hits, shall we say, within hours. Of them unveiling it, oh, so it'll be in, next week. They'll be unveiling some of the results, but yeah, they also had lots of requests. Well, why haven't you got it? Can you do one in the female toilets, please? <laughs> Remember to put one in the disabled toilets. You know all this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, you know and to I... an, to answer a question of earlier about Trump. Yeah, I think it's about 
mean, anyone who's heard of the American <laughs> political system and what's happening in it, I believe worldwide it must be close to 99% of people go, oh shit, when you mention Trump. <laughs> and you know, go, oh, horrible. You know, I mean, here's here's the thing. I think Democratic people, demo, people who are Democratic voters are starting to get a taste of what the Republican voters got a taste of yeah. with Ron Paul. When you saw what the Republican National Committee did, all kind of dirty tricks, losing delegates, driving them around for a couple of hours, losing them in Florida, that happened, um, shouting them down. It, it was really about the worst I've ever seen a quote-unquote democratic thing be. But people are starting to get a taste of that now, where yeah. little Hitlery Clinton gets 385 delegates and Bernie Sanders, who's kicking her ass, gets six. I think Trump is a reaction. He's a reaction to the fact that people are waking up to the idea that the way the system is set up, the people who are actually in charge are never going to let you have anyone you really want so you might as well pick who pisses them off the most. And uh, I really think that yeah. explains a lot more of this shit than you think. Increasingly, my, my overview of the American presidential race is vote vermin supreme, you know it makes sense. I love him. Well, he's I more did. sensible than any of the other candidates. When he took fourth, <laughs> when he took fourth, I almost shit myself. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's great. He's perfect. He's a perfect candidate for the times. Yeah, you know? and, and and wouldn't it be great at an international meeting of leaders like the G40? <laughs> it's like they're all there in their suits, and then Vermin, Vermin Supreme, Supreme comes, comes out, out. Shows his nipple just, with his just the look hat of on. the faces would be priceless. <laughs> uh, I'm horrible about talking about politics um, because I mean I've started unfriending people on Facebook. And because I really cannot I'm, stand the the blatant hatred, I'm uh, apolitical. I don't. I don't care. Like, if you're a Democrat, you can unfriend me. Okay, goodbye. If Bye. you're a Republican, you can un. Okay, goodbye. Um, <laughs> because because it just it amazes me that people don't look at this system and see how fucked up this system is. And and here's here's the horrific thing. Did you see the on a different note, Jan? Did you see the video that that Mudflap tried to post about the uh, the veteran getting booted out of one of out of Oh yes. Okay. Yes, well, Miss Mister Mister Clinton. Yeah, yeah. Bill was there. Hillary was. She was busy um, ironing the wrinkles out of her face. Well, no, maybe burning the Constitution, but, you know. <laughs> I don't uh, like that woman. So, the guy gets booted out because he brings up Benghazi. Which is his right to bring it up. Yeah, and and everybody at this point knows that Benghazi happened. She lied. People. It's all her. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she did this. Mm-hmm. So, now, Jan, if you really want to think about it, she has she's gone on and she has what was it US Weekly that she Life or Time magazine was it I don't know where she made the comments about um, banning all handguns and mm-hmm. and NRA would be disbanded 
during her presidency? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you've got 90% of the country thinking that if they don't vote Democrat or Republican, they're only throwing their vote away. All right. Then you've got people of military families. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, if, if Hillary gets the Democratic nomination, who do you think all these people are going to vote for? Anybody but her. I know. And, and as the way the Republican debate is standing now, who is that going to be? Jesus. Um, let's, uh, let's... I, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare, <laughs> Dan. But I'm just saying the, the, the I... reality of this is... Well, they haven't named a nominee yet. It might be shithead Ted Cruz. It might be one of the other bastards. Who knows? I, I just... Okay. Um, Sorry. Bryson, I, that's I okay. Cry. No, I'm, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to tell you Lysander Spooner and Larkin Rose make more sense to me now than they ever have before. And if you don't know who Larkin Rose is, please go to YouTube and type his name in. You will be very surprised okay so alex is ready alex is ready okay alex is ready good evening alex good evening can you hear me all right yeah wow you sound you sound about as good as i feel Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 2-29-2016. What's new and exciting this week, Alex? Um, well, I'm sick, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's been like, what has it been, two or three weeks since I've been able to... Yeah, it's been... along with you and... Two weeks, yeah. Last week I was horribly sick and this week somehow you got it and I was nowhere near you. No, I'm pretty sure my wife brought it from Canada, so <laughs> just going to blame it on her and whoever she was hanging out with before flying to Las Vegas. <clears throat> but uh, I'm good. My parents live out here, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in good hands. Good. Um, so, yeah, I guess I can get right to the action. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of some, I guess... I hate to use the term breaking news, but um, some good news. That's always a good way to start things. Nice. Uh, Utah's Tobacco 21 law, HB 157, uh, I believe, failed in committee. Yes. So um, that one is down. Uh, I'm sure. Um, I don't. I guess that kind of makes it. Utah is pretty quick this year, um, but uh, you know, people are pretty set on trying to get these Tobacco 21 laws passed. So it wouldn't be to totally surprising to somebody try to reinsert the language somewhere down the line um, but for now um, that law that bill has failed um, and now we can focus our efforts on the two tax bills in Utah which would enact an 86 percent uh, excise tax on vapor products <laughs> yeah uh, so we'll be updating that stuff this week as soon as I start feeling better um, <laughs> Um, let's see, what else did we get today? 
I didn't get around to getting a call to action out for this. Um, there was an amendment in Indiana um, that would have would have amended um, HB thirteen eighty six. Uh, there was sort of a whole, but there's like half a dozen or more amendments to this bill. And Amendment 3 would have removed some of the security requirements. And um, I believe it, it had a lot to do with the security that, that manufacturers are required to to prove that they have in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, this is part of the 1482 from last year. Yeah. Um, that was so horrible and is, you know, threatening to shut down the entire industry in Indiana. Yeah. Um, but this this amendment would have changed that security requirement, opened it up to more um, security firms, as I understand it, and actually given them time to become compliant. Because as it stands right now, there is only one security firm in Indiana that can be that is compliant with with this law. Um, so yeah, it, it it basically it's it's the same language from Georgia. So you know, essentially, this you know, fourteen eighty two or fourteen thirty two from last year um, creates this artificial monopoly in in um, Indiana, and um, so people were working there to you know at least push back the uh, implementation date of this mm-hmm. law to give people more opportunity to become compliant. Obviously, there's also this lawsuit that's happening. Um, so Indiana is kind of a mess right now, and um, I apologize. I was not. I, I started getting sick you know, yesterday, which is when I got the notice that this Indiana thing was happening. Um, so apparently, this Indiana amendment failed, um, and yeah, there's just it's a mess. So I apologize for not having more details on that, but we'll um, you know update as things move move along. <sighs> what else did we have? It's good. Um, you know, I, I really just have to update a bunch of stuff. I would like to mention West Virginia. Um, anybody who's been paying attention to our group, um, paying attention to social media th- for for Kassa, um, you've probably seen Delegate Larry Faircloth mm-hmm. from West Virginia. Um, yeah. He's from the West Virginia House, and he is... Um, adamantly opposed to the tax bill in West Virginia and uh, he actually took steps to produce his own petition which I think was sort of open to everybody all over the world Um, so I I hope that he gathered thousands of signatures and was able to lay that on the desk of the uh, House Speaker um, to show just how many people are engaged in this issue Um, but uh, the tax bill as far as I know is still a thing um and um but maybe less so now there were some other advocates that were in town uh, in Charleston West Virginia um to work with with lawmakers and and uh educate them about these products and why these taxes are horrible um and so again I apologize for not having the most up to date information but um I will be working on that uh over, you know over the next few days while I'm sort of stranded here being sick. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then, you know, there's other stuff. Hawaii is uh, obviously something that that we're paying attention to. Um, There is the tax bill 
in Hawaii, which I believe was uh, recommended to be 80% wholesale yeah. tax. Mm -hmm. uh, so that finally got a number. Um, and I'm still a little unclear. There was someone else that had talked to me about this tax bill, and they had mentioned 150%. So, oh, my God. Um, I don't want to put that out there as an official number, but just to kind of give you an idea of, you know, this is sort of a confusing confusing bit of the process. And there are there's obviously there are more than one tax bill in Hawaii. Um I will say anybody in Hawaii who's look anybody in Hawaii who's looking for up to the up to the minute information, um, check in with Hawaii Vapors United on Facebook. I know that someone there has been posting um rather diligently about all of the bills in Hawaii. Uh, and the yeah. same thing happened last year. You know, Hawaii introduces a dozen or more bills, or in this case, a whole bunch of them carried over from last year. Right. And it uh, they they move around quite a bit. It actually makes it very difficult to track. Um, so it's always much appreciated when we have someone on the ground who is paying very close attention to this. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I would recommend uh, checking out Hawaii Vapors United on Facebook. <sighs> And then, uh, other than that, we actually did some relatively fun stuff the past two weeks. Um, we were able to go to Phoenix, Arizona, and attend Vape in the Sun, which was uh, a, a, an expo to benefit um, uh, VapeVet. Uh, I don't have any numbers about how much money was raised or anything like that, but I will tell you that I had some some good conversations with people that stopped by the CASA table. Mm -hmm. uh, not Blowing Smoke unveiled the No More Casualties campaign, um, which if you haven't checked that out yet, I highly recommend it. I believe there's uh, an effort to get some billboards up. Um, nice. Hopefully when I get home or when I have some time in the next mm -hmm. three weeks, possibly, um, I, I, I am going to be looking into a billboard in my neighborhood. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Um, an excellent event. A lot of people also share that, that thought, uh, special thanks to Will Cohen for, for putting that together and inviting us out to, uh, hang out and spread the word. Yeah. Um, and then this past weekend we did, uh, vape fest in Las Vegas. Um, that's put on by national vapors club. And uh, it was it was actually pretty lightly attended, but um, those are things that, um, for us anyway, it gives us the opportunity to have some actual conversations with people and mm -hmm. um, and make some good connections. Um, we also had an advocacy panel uh, with myself. Julie was up there. Cynthia from Safada. Mm -hmm. uh, Stefan Didak was on there, and Cheryl Richter from National Vapors Club. Okay. So. Um, those are always a good opportunity for um, business owners and consumers to ask questions and, and get some some thoughtful information out of the advocates like us who don't seem to be able to do anything but this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was a good event. Um, I've never been to the Flamingo before, um, so that was interesting. Um, so you had fun. It's good. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, but now I'm sick, so everything is sort of... <laughs> Terrible. That. Yeah. Yeah. You should probably go lay down, take some Tamiflu or something. That I, I got some prescriptions filled, so that's the next step. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I was actually going to do a um, a periscope for this, but I don't think anybody wants to see me looking all sick. <laughs> so I'm going to postpone that until next week, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get just one more avenue to you know get our podcasts out there. Awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, so if you're not on Periscope, I, I don't know anything about Periscope. This will be my first time using it, but. Um, yeah, I guess I'm signed in with my Twitter account. So if you want to follow the <coughs> Kassaw podcasts live on the interwebs, um, find me on, on Periscope and, and tune in, I guess. And you get to see Alex. Yeah, in my, hey. uh, my, my office that looks like a bomb has been dropped on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're dealing with legislative. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Thank you, Alex, for everything you do for us and feel better. I, I feel your pain. Thanks. Go lie down. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to try. All right. See you Thanks. next week. Thanks. See ya. I don't, uh, I don't know if anybody can hear the coughing in the background, but that's what I sounded like up until a couple days ago. Yeah. Tis the season for coughs and sneezes. Yeah. yeah. Now that Alex is gone, Alex brought up Vape Fest. I have I have a bitch, and it's not about Vape Fest. Okay. What to do with it? There is some asshole on Facebook that is sharing pictures of Mal. Okay. And making what I am interpreting is not very nice comments. And so if anybody knows who this asshole is, go kick his ass. Don't mean to really kick his ass, but you can troll him, because I did. I was pissed. You trolled someone, Jeannie? I did. Malice Dallas got one of the best hearts and souls of anybody I've ever fucking known. And I was, and, and personally, I think the yarn wigs and the corsets and, and the, I, I, kudos to her. I wish I looked that fucking good. I think we all do. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so, we've dissected the problems of the world, but I did promise I would talk about uh, the FBI and Apple. So, about Tor? Hmm? Aren't you going to bitch about Tor? Oh, I can bitch about Tor anytime, because what Carnegie Mellon University did to them is disgusting. And then running around saying they had no expectation of privacy is bullshit. That's what Tor was supposedly built around. Although, you know, you kind of got to wonder about the brilliance of using a system that was started by the military for, you know, for secure communications. I mean, eventually they were going to find a way in. So it's, it's ugly. The whole Carnegie Mellon tour thing is just ugly and it's just disgusting that the government will pour that kind of resources into breaking something down so that they can catch people buying and selling drugs on Silk Road or something um where was I okay the fight between the FBI and Apple is about setting precedent not breaking tech 
former government officials are questioning whether the FBI used every possible means at its disposal to break into an iPhone used by the San Bernardino shooters before asking a federal court to compel Apple to help. For instance, you can use Play-Doh, stick somebody's fingerprint in Play-Doh, and you can unlock an iPhone doing that. It's a very low-tech solution, but if a child could do it, you could think the FBI you could you'd think the FBI could figure out how to. <clears throat> In interviews with BuzzFeed Wednesday, the former officers with the FBI and NSA acknowledged that U.S. intelligence agencies have technology that has been used in past intelligence gathering operations to break into locked phones. The question they added was whether it was worthwhile for the FBI to deploy that technology rather than setting a precedent through the courts. There are capabilities that the U.S. government has that are used for intelligence gathering and collecting only, and that wouldn't be used for a criminal matter because they would have to come up in open court, said Austin Bergalis, a former assistant special agent in charge of the FBI's New York cyber branch, who is now head of cyber investigations and incident response at the private consultancy firm K2 Intelligence. Those capabilities, Bergalis said, also include so-called zero-day exploits that take advantage of flaws in software that have not been disclosed to the makers of the software. Entire black markets exist for the sale of zero days, which in the hands of the right or wrong people can be used to hack into phones, laptops, etc. undiscovered. All the exploits are rarely acknowledged by the government. Amy Hess, the head of the FBI's Science and Technology Department, acknowledged in a recent interview with the Washington Post that the FBI uses zero days. A number of civil liberty groups have attempted to find out more about the NSA's use of the exploits, which is widely suspected to be more sophisticated and effective than the FBI technology. If it is an issue of national security, you will see the most sophisticated tools, the zero days, Bergalis said. We wouldn't give up the tools we use to protect our national security for use in an individual criminal case. The FBI did not respond to a request for comment from BuzzFeed News on whether or not the Bureau had zero days that could be used on the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone. The FBI and Apple had become locked in a battle that could decide the future of tech companies' compliance with government orders after a U.S. magistrate on Tuesday ordered Apple to help the FBI unlock an iPhone belonging to Saeed Rizwan Farouk, one of the two shooters behind the December 2015 attack on a community center in San Bernardino, California. The judge's order came after... I live in Fairyland, FBI Director James Comrie told the Senate Intelligence Committee last week that the Bureau had been unable to lock Farouk's iPhone. Well, they bricked it. They tried to unlock it, and they bricked it, because they're fucking dumbasses. NSA Director Michael Rogers said in an interview with Yahoo Wednesday that the agency had been unable to obtain metadata from phone records, which include time and duration of calls, but not the content of emails and text messages. Apple CEO Tim Cook has vowed to challenge the court's order. So they brick the iPhone, they've got the technology to break and do it, but they don't want us to know what they have. We know what they have. I don't think they can get in. I, I think if a three-year-old can take and stick a fucking fingerprint in Play-Doh and unlock a goddamn iPhone, that that's not beyond the FBI's fucking capabilities. They just don't want to. They want to sow seeds of discord or distrust between people and Apple products. My, my, my cell phone is not Apple. But if you enter, you try to get into my phone three times and fail, it factory resets. 
everybody's smarts got like something that bricks it. Yeah. It just essentially makes a fucking paperweight out of your damn phone rather than have any FBI, CIA police able to access what you have in there. Well, it's, as, it's as your... Jeannie said, though, the Android one is amusing because they still have a fully functional phone afterwards. It just doesn't have any data on it anymore. <laughs> you know, it's... It you is know, what it... Go ahead. My, both of my daughters have iPhones. Mm-hmm. And I don't think one of them secures her phone at all. Not, not at fucking all. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's it's a different lecture for another day. You're killing me, Jamie. <laughs> Kidding. Well, I, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, you you can't tell somebody that they should want that they should want privacy. It, She's 22. She doesn't give a fuck. She puts her entire life on the fucking internet anyway. Like I said, people... These kids grew up in a different time. But if I want to secure my phone (laughs) so that no one can get into it Mm -hmm. but me, (laughs) that should be my right as a law-abiding citizen. And if I choose to be a criminal at some other point, that doesn't mean that I still shouldn't be able to secure my information any way I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, you can set up your home safe so that if somebody keys in the wrong code, that everything inside of your safe burns. So, you know. Yeah. One's no different than the other. Well, I mean, please don't forget, like, this is the same government that, okay, they're making body armor illegal? Really? So, as a means to protect yourself, that's going to be illegal. Why? Because <laughs> it'll you protect know? criminals. Well, the law does, too. Are we abolishing all of them? No. Well... You know, it's naive to think that passing a law is going to change anything, but it's a lot easier to try and stop them before they start. It's it's easier to stop stupidity before it's in the law books than to try to wipe it out of the law books afterwards. And unlike the UK, which purges stupid laws every 10 years or so, we don't do that. So we've got shit on the books that say it's illegal to take an elephant for a walk with a parasol down the sidewalk on a Sunday. You know? Shit that means nothing, shit that shouldn't be in the law books, is still on there. Yeah, you and it's because we don't get rid of them. If you're caught on a on a cattle ranch in the state of Texas with a pair of wire. Oh, there's a there's a town in Texas, Port Arthur, Texas. It's illegal to pass gas in, in an elevator. <laughs> they they can arrest you for passing gas in a freaking elevator there. Why must, is must that on the fun. freaking books? Must be fun when if if a big venue on multi floors has a chili contest. <laughs> Do the police just wait around in the elevators? <laughs> the stupidest shit ever is on our law books, and then we add more and more regulations every year. So it's just it's ugly and it's stupid and it's it's a government. Yeah, but the 
back 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 to the point. Yeah, the mm -hmm. the FBI and Apple. Yeah, it's it's nothing to do with unlocking that phone, and everything to do with having that little precedent down in mm -hmm. the law books. Well, yeah, and it's not just that. Because even they... Apple have said they probably can't get the data off the phone. Oh, I know. Now, because of what was done to it, even that, even if they comply with the court, they're not going to get anything. So, yeah, it's all about legal precedent. Well, but it's not just that. If they did manage to write something where they were able to wipe this out of the iPhone, wipe all the information, pull all the information out, make it accessible and usable to the FBI. They've got an exploit. There's yeah. their back door, baby, and you think they're not going to go through and hire somebody to steal that tech for them? Come on. It's the government. They don't do anything they don't have to do, and they certainly don't fucking do anything right. So they're going to do what they want to do and fuck us, basically. I yeah. guess that was the theme tonight. <laughs> What what I want to know is if yeah if if uh, the FBI are serious about breaking into the phone, why why haven't they asked their good friends at GCHQ who've been expert at this for a while, as noted by Mr. Snowden, because um, yeah. <laughs> they already know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. This is weird, and I I do agree it's legal precedence. It's having it on the books, and yeah. it's also to force a company to comply with what they want and yeah. let's be honest the head of the fbi lives in fucking la la land everything should have a back door well you can't put a back door on everything because it makes it easier for criminals to get everything but, yeah but it can happen and everything can still be secured no shut the fuck up you halfwit what i what i find particularly amusing uh right so they want to put these precedents in law. They want to try and force big technology firms to put back doors in, all this kind of stuff. Except they've forgotten something important. You, it, there's the other side that you talk about, the TTP and the TTIP. Mm -hmm. So once sued. that's fully finished with... Oh, yeah. Apple yeah, you, sue you're the, forcing us the to put this back door in. We'll take all your money, thanks. Yeah. Exactly. And now the FBI works for Apple. So yeah. It's just, it is the other side. It's as vulnerable as we are and as naked as we are, it's just as hard for them to hide from us. Yeah. It is just as hard and probably even more difficult because if you look at some of the people in Congress, if you've ever seen C-SPAN, oh, these people are not bright. Yeah, I see the occasional speech, and yeah, it's not good. Just that three-hour FDA. Oh yeah, that yeah. was hilarious. Uh, you know, I waited till somebody cut it down to the highlights. That was about all I could stand. Why is it in most of these political things around the world, you're sitting there watching it, and you're going, Jesus, are, are, are any of the, you know, you're looking at the the rest, not the ones speaking, but the other politicians in the room, and you're like, <laughs> why are they even there? Because they look like they're asleep. Well, yeah. The UK that's... has brought this to the ultimate, of course, where you have these sort of meetings going on, and 
Yeah, the, the people speaking are the only people present because nobody else can be bothered. <laughs> so at I'm least we're the... cutting out the, the middleman, as it were. At least we don't have a guys sitting yeah. there falling asleep just I'm there the to point. claim the expenses. Uh, mm -hmm. They just haven't bothered showing up at all. Um, Former Congressman McClintock, and I don't think he's run again. Um, if you want to see some really inspiring stuff, you should see the things that he said in Congress. Um, and he's had some pretty inspiring speeches about uh, government not interfering in our lives and, and things of that nature. And they're truly inspiring to watch till the camera pulls back and C-SPAN's camera pulls back and there's nobody there. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's a sad commentary on these things that matter to the people. They sure yeah. as fuck don't matter to your Congress critters. Oh, so um, I, I guess I have to ask, why are we voting the same fuckers in? An interesting right. political news. Uh, mm -hmm. Irish <laughs> elections are... Mm -hmm. The lovely, dear, and loved um, ex-health minister James Riley lost his seat. I know. I saw that. Oh. I loved that. I laughed. What yes. a shame! Couldn't happen to a nicer douchebag. A guy <laughs> who handed Ireland's medical system to the pharmaceutical companies has yep. been voted out. That's yeah, what you get was... for telling Irish people they shouldn't smoke and shouldn't drink. Shouldn't smoke. Shouldn't drink. And you should see this guy. Yeah. My God, if if it, that's like, is it the health minister for Belgium? Very, do you know what I'm talking about? The lady who resembles an orca whale? Oh, yeah, yeah. How do any of these people wind up being in charge of anything to do with health? They all look like they have sat in the dark for 20 years and eaten nothing but whale blubber. Well, the current UK health minister... He's skinny, but yeah, he's got the surname that yeah James Blunt commented on in the recent vote. <laughs> I have passed my Cockney rhyming slang name thing to <laughs> Jeremy Hunt. <laughs> I I loved it. Sky yeah. News called him Jeremy Cunt like four or five times yes. when they were talking about. You just do it without NHS. thinking about it. It's, yeah, yeah, because he is. Um, <laughs> He is actually. He really is not representing the will of the people. It's like, oh, we need, we sure need a health. Yeah. We need a health minister. Let's get that guy who wrote a book about dismantling the health service. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all kind of screwed up everywhere you go. That yeah. I guess maybe that's the reassuring thing. The system is screwed up, but it's screwed up everywhere. So, no matter what. It isn't just us. It's all fucked up, but don't worry. It's like that all over. Yeah, we could all <laughs> just go to Fiji, who are nice, happy people. Except it's being threatened by r rising sea levels. Well, I'm sure Fiji's being threatened by rising sea levels, but it can't be as bad as Guam. No. Genie, Guam. Remember the Guam congressman? Uh-huh. <laughs> the man who... I'm sorry, his last name is Johnson. Please kill me. I can't believe we share the same surname. So sat there at a congressional hearing and talked about the possibility of Guam capsizing. Yeah. These are the kind of geniuses that you elect for Congress critters. 
So, yeah, intelligence in tests should be mandatory for politicians, definitely. Mm. One would hope they would yes, have read something. He, he really, he was quite honestly concerned that Guam <laughs> was going to flip over. Yeah, you, you evidently said that episode. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and not only did he say it, that motherfucker said it on a TV camera. Yeah. God loves C-SPAN too. And David Icke must have been going, damn, that guy's crazier than me. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, there. you've got to ask yourself, okay, David Icke is fucking out there, right? You know, the, roiling, the royal ruling elites are reptilian shapeshifters. Okay. Um, the favorite bit was the, the purple... Um, running suits. Track suit. I, yeah. so, but something had to have... This protects you from the aliens. <laughs> off into that fucked up direction, right? I mean, the government had to have done something really horrible because I can remember him talking about there being a, a child sex slave ring in the BBC. Yeah. I remember him talking about that. And what are they finding? That, yeah, that happened. Uh, so, well, you see, he used to work like, at the BBC, so yeah, that one's not know. a huge stretch. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about fucked up laws earlier, <laughs> and, and Barry just brought up the BBC, which I had a revelation last week. Mm -hmm. The licensing fee? Holy fuck, you people have to have a license to watch TV? Are you fucking kidding me? Legally, if you watch a live transmission, you need to have yes. a license. I never watch anything live, therefore I don't have a TV license. There is no need to have one if you can wait a day oh, and also, catch it on BBC's no, iPlayer. The only way they can collect money is people doing it voluntarily. There's no way they can prosecute you for not having one unless you admit that you're watching live TV. If some guy turns up at your house asking to see your TV license, you can just say no thank you and close the door on their face. And there is nothing they can do about it. That's the real insanity. It's the fact that so, they basically get all this money by people assuming, oh no, I could be fined or go to jail if I don't pay it. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 you have to, you know, cooperate and pay it. Otherwise, they're fuck all they can do. Um, <laughs> literally, they have no legal power. You know, very if you give them your name, you they then have the name and the address, and then they can apply for a warrant to come in and check you're not watching live TV. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah, they can't do anything. I don't think you heard me, but very. Do you realize that every time you go to say fuck all, you you hesitate beforehand, like like you something sacrilegious. On the show, it's not sacrilegious, but it's there's there's it's broadcasting rules and laws yeah. there too. Yeah, I that haven't you ever noticed that VTTV is a really clean program? That's yeah, YouTube. Um, I mean, squeaky yeah. clean. That's because there's broadcast laws there. Well, no, 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 no there's, there are there is swearing on it occasionally. Well, it, but it's it's not like this. No, at all. I believe. This very evening show metric fuck ton may have been used. Um, <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, it does happen, but it's that's mainly due to because of the YouTube 
uh, thing. YouTuber the fussy ones in this case. <laughs> <sighs> and yeah, the, the the amount on tonight's show, yeah, there's gonna have a high rating on SoundCloud. Oh, it's it's not so much SoundCloud. It's iTunes slaps an adult rating on this show all the time. Going to be X tonight, I think. So quite a bit. Oh, I've never looked, but does mine get explicit? No, rating? fuck no, no. It's mine, my show. <laughs> my my fucking show gets explicit. I'm like, really? Rating. We 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 talk about property rights and privacy rights and the nanny state. The only reason my show could not get an explicit explicit rating chan is because they're just not bothering to listen to it. I don't know why they're listening to mine. They're just going to get mad and give it an explicit rating, so they might as well just tune out. <sighs> I think it's kind of funny. Well, and Genie, I don't know if you're watching chat, but Blaine's back to his drinking game. So, yeah. Sorry, Blaine. <laughs> he was on so, for a while. I think the doctor told him that um, his liver was suffering. <laughs> I think he's probably just had all his blood replaced. Um, did anybody? Yeah. Did anybody see the nanny today in Moscow? No. Oh God. So, for reasons that are supposed to be unknown to me, including that she's mentally ill. This woman took and lopped off a child's head and ran through town carrying the child's head screaming Allah Akbar. So it's pretty much uh, everywhere that you have extremists. Yeah. That was pretty fucking terrible, actually. Well, to be fair, that kind of seems to be a normal sort of day in Moscow. Um <laughs> <laughs> the the criminal gangs over there are lopping each other's heads off and other body parts all the damn time. But that doesn't right, make the news. It's but not when, usually children. Yeah. Oh, That's, loads of children get killed over there as well. Uh, right, but you don't usually see people running through town. No. Heads. Normally they put the heads in the back of a car and drive <laughs> them off. and Yeah. I am. And dump them somewhere. But yeah... <laughs> Did I, did I ever tell you, see, I can't get behind any religion that, that fucks with kids. I, I just I can't. Blame you. I don't blame you. Well, I think there are nutbags and there are, I, I don't want to say normal people, because I don't really want to break this down, but I, I think religion does one thing. And, and this is where the communists actually get stuff right. And they say that it, it insulates people from other people. It yeah. puts you in groups of us and them and makes you less likely to see people as people as a whole. And um, there's inherent danger in that. And apparently a lot of inherent ugliness. And it's a shame we really should be able to get past that point yeah, as a fucking species. But we're probably too busy looking it down. It must be state. said in, in the Stalinist era of the Soviet Union, yeah, there are no religious hate crimes. Of course, the government were killing millions of people as well, but at least there weren't religious hate crimes because religion was banned. <laughs> yes. I'm not saying it should be banned, but I'm saying, you know, as a people right now, at this point in history, with the knowledge of the world at your fingertips, we should be past that bullshit, and we're not. 
Unfortunately, as is often said, people are dumb. Really, really dumb. As a species, it is surprising we've got as far as we have. I don't know. I think as a species we have amazing potential, but I never underestimate the power of a large group of people to be dumber than the smartest person in the group. Oh yeah, you can only ever measure a crowd by its dumbest constituent. You can't use the smartest as the That's as the benchmark. Good... Yeah. Because yeah. the dumb will overrule the smart because they outnumber them. Well, they outnumber them and they're very loud. Very yeah. loud. Yeah, and then they run for political office. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, and they wind up playing uh, frickin' solitaire on their iPads on They Work For You. Yeah. Like hell they do. I don't know. There's almost something comforting in knowing that every government is fucked up. I don't know. I mean, it's not like I feel better about it. But there's a certain inherent sameness to it around the world. Except for yeah. Fiji and its climate change. Yeah, and a few other small places. Yeah. They have different problems, you know, like, shit, how are we going to get enough food into our country <laughs> to feed the people we've got? And, you know, oh my god, Venezuela. Nice basic stuff like that. Venezuela. I mean, I've got a friend who lives there. No, I mean, now you've got to realize how bad it is in Venezuela. When the president of Venezuela says, we need to take up farming if we want to eat, everybody needs to have chickens and everybody needs to grow their own food. Well, they do. Anyway. There's a, they have to now. There's no choice. There is no food, and it's it's. That's a scary fucking place. To have well, a friend who lives so there. Society, to become so urban that people don't know how to provide food for themselves. You have really fucked up. Well, yeah, but look at the basic education system. The people, and I, I really hate to do this, the people that formed like the Board of Education and stuff, the larger boards of education, they did exactly what they wanted to do. And all they wanted to do was create a populace of workers who were just going to accept whatever happened to them. And with the educational system we have, it's very easy for that to happen. So the people, the Fords and all those wonderful foundations, Carnegie Mellon and stuff that poured all this money into our educational system, they've won. They've got exactly the kind of workers they wanted. But it sure is shitty to live through this point. And then... Well, yeah, when the kickback happens, we will survive. You only need to look at um, what happened in Cuba. Um... They couldn't, because of the uh, import bans and export bans in Cuba. Yeah, mm -hmm. like Jeannie said, they were an incredibly urban population. Mm -hmm. But they did have a few smart people. So, yeah, you ended up with all these communal street farms. Basically, they're <laughs> all, all the... In most, in most places in the world, you have these public 
gardens, gardens. Yeah. with nice trees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They had that in Cuba. But what's in there now is potatoes and tomatoes. Because and <laughs> the people went, well, we can't get enough food because our government's crazy and <laughs> the world hates us. We'll just have to do what we can. And that's what happened. Well, um, there's something... Humans are good at surviving, if nothing else. Some, some humans are good at surviving. Some humans yeah. are good at sticking their heads in the sand like a bunch of fucking ostriches. Yeah, well, I was speaking more uh, as a race, we, we, you know, as a species. As a We're species. We're good at surviving. Uh, yeah. Intelligence yeah. is a blessing on a curse uh, in some ways. Yeah, it's a blessing for, well, not so much the people who have it for them. It's a curse because they got to watch everybody else be a bunch of fucking numbskulls. That's, that's only an everyday thing, though. <laughs> It's true. So, yeah. I don't know. At uh, at some point, we'll get our shit together. Hopefully soonish. That would make me very happy. Oh. Oh, tonight, Muppets and Advert? Muppets and Advert. Ooh. I'll go Muppets first. Ah, yeah. It's, it's called for. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Good night, guys, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next Monday for more fun-filled topics like tonight. Night.